0: We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, and we're beginning a brand new series, and the title of this series is The Father's Heart. And I want to tell you about what really prompted this series of messages. Um, it started for me uh, back on March 17, 2014, whenever I looked over at my wife, and she was holding this little girl in her arms, um, and we brought and saw uh, our daughter, Liliana Rose Moranti come into the world. And in that moment, uh, I thought I was ready and knew what it meant to be a father, but instantly my heart changed. Uh, God overwhelmed me completely, and many of you know exactly what this feels like. In the weeks and months after that, I felt as in my personal time with the Lord that as I was reflecting on what it meant to be a father, I was learning a lot of lessons about what it meant for God to be my heavenly father. Um, And so as I looked to the Lord and was praying and seeking him, I just continued to feel like, the Lord was just teaching me these lessons and allowing me to understand the depths of his love as my heavenly father. And this prompted me to really begin to pray about this as a series of messages to share um, what it means for us to understand the father's heart. Because we may think we understand God as our heavenly father, but I believe he wants to teach us something from his word about what that really means. And so I pray that God will take you on this journey. For some of you, you know what it means to be a parent. You have been blessed with that opportunity. Others of you, you have played that significant role in someone else's life, and God has blessed you and them. But I think we can realize what it feels like, uh, the parents in the room and those that have played that significant role, to have hopes and dreams for your children and for those that you're investing your life in. Long before they ever show up on planet Earth, you already see and pray for their future and their spouse and the, the, the ministry that God would have for them and the calling he has on their life. And for some of you, as a child just coming into the world and you have a small child, an infant, you think about the future plans and purposes that God might have for them. And you can become so excited as they cross over every one of those thresholds that are significant. Whenever they learn to talk and they learn to walk and they begin to go to school and you just see them. Moving on in life, and what an amazing sense of joy you can feel. For some of you, whenever you see them receive some special honor, and you're just so full of gratitude. Why? Not just because they're your child, but because they've accomplished something, and that's been your prayer and your desire. Hopes and dreams are so important because you're instilling that inside of your family, inside of your children. And then when your children grow up, you know what they develop? Hopes and dreams and desires of their own that they would walk in and nothing brings you more joy than to see them walking in a way that is pleasing. However, the opposite is true as well. As we have those that will walk in a different way and how much it breaks your heart whenever they don't fulfill their purpose in this life, whenever they make decisions that hurt themselves and hurt those around them and those that love them. And then not to mention the millions around this world that don't know anything of hopes and dreams because they never had someone in their life that had a hope and dream for them. And those are those that we would call orphans, those that do not have parents. And do you know right now there are 153 million orphans in the world? One out of every 14 people is an orphan, known orphans in this world. Now the number really is much more because you go to places where they're not able to really do the right and correct counts, but overwhelming amount. You see them, they're growing up without families. Some of them are sleeping in the streets or living um, in incredibly impoverished areas. Some of them are in crowded orphanages and all of them, many of them have this one thing in common. They lack the basic necessities for life such as access to clean water, adequate food, clothing, shelter. They don't have any of the ways to meet their physical needs and that puts them in that category that they are orphans. They don't have the parent present. They don't have the one who would pour into their lives and help them grow. For them, it's very easy for them to live lives that will ultimately result in hopelessness and even death if someone does not intervene. Out of this 153 million, there's a number that is added to it. Because what we're talking about among those that are orphans are those that lack the physical needs, their physical necessities. But beyond that, you would go to those that have broken relationships, those who have had a a father figure or a mother figure leave their family. You can see beyond that there is a need for emotional support, for care, for love, for nurturing, for all the things that are provided that go beyond uh, the basic necessities of life. And for that, if you would count in those numbers, now you're in the multiple, multiple hundreds of millions of those who lack the presence of a father figure in their life. We see this as something that's becoming an epidemic in society today, that the lack of fathers in the home having such an adverse effect Affecting life expectancy, affecting all kinds of different statistics. You could watch um, documentary upon documentary and see the news articles that show the lack of a father figure inside of the home and, and what that can do for a family. I knew what that was like. I grew up in that. In my neighborhood that I grew up in, after my parents had been divorced and my father wasn't present in my life for, for a long season... I saw and felt all of those impacts of the lack of a father. In fact, as I look back over my life, every single one of my best friends did not have a father. All of us, we all grew up in the same neighborhood. None of us had a father figure in our home. And it really caused a lot of pains, a lot of wounds, and a lot of things that we had to heal from and heal through in our lives. This is a big issue inside of society today. The lack of a father has really affected us and shaped us in ways that aren't healthy at many times. You go beyond those that are orphans, physical orphans, those who have dealt with these kinds of issues within their families and within their family of origin and parents, lack of a parent, lack of a healthy relationship with your parent, dysfunction, hurts, wounds, abuse, all of those things. Those are just all the physical things in this life that have shaped who we are. And as I mentioned, just those areas, it affects many of us that are in the room today. However, there are those of us that are here that you grew up in a a healthy family environment. You grew up with a mom and a dad that loved you and loved the Lord and poured into you. There is still an even greater issue. It's a spiritual epidemic. And it's for those that may have all of those things in this life, all the financial security they want, all the physical security, all of the family structure that will be seen as healthy, and yet they don't have a heavenly father. They don't know God as their father in heaven. And for them, do you know what they are living as today? Spiritual orphans. They don't have or understand the love of their heavenly father. And that has an incredible impact on everyone who has experienced that. That's what we are going to talk about in this series. We are going to understand the heart of God, our Heavenly Father, what it means to live with that hope in our lives and how when we understand the depths of the Father's love for us, it reshapes, it heals wounds, it changes us. Something happened. When we read the scriptures, it change drastically from the close of the Old Testament to the beginning of the New Testament. And here's what it is. If you go through the Old Testament and you look for the idea of God being our Heavenly Father, you see somewhere near 15 references to God as a Father. That is sporadic at best. However, whenever you move into the New Testament and when Jesus begins his ministry, that's all that he's talking about. In fact, if you look in just the first three gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you see him being referred to as our Heavenly Father 65 times. 15 in all the Old Testament, 65 times just from the mouth of Jesus as he is talking, teaching, sharing about the kingdom and about who God is. You move over to John's gospel, and alone in John's gospel over 100 times, So now you're over 100 there. Then you move on throughout the rest of the New Testament. Something changed when Jesus showed up that wanted to teach the world what it meant to have God as our Heavenly Father. And here's why. Before that, people were living in a relationship with God that was built very deeply on religion. And their goal was something like this. I'm going to work very hard. And I'm going to do my very best. And I'm going to try to please this distant God who I cannot really have a relationship with. And I'm going to hope some way that if I just do enough, then I could earn his love, his acceptance, his approval in my life. For some, they saw God as just a distant God that they could not even have a relationship with. And so everything they did was out of guilt, out of fear, out of condemnation. Never being able to really understand God's love for them because they could only see him as a distant God who they could never really have relationship with. In the same way, there are many that go through this life this way, that maybe you have a father in this life that you can't really have relationship with. Maybe you've felt those very same pains of what it means to have those broken relationships. There are many that lived as though God does not exist at all. They don't believe in God. They're living absent of any heavenly father and they don't acknowledge him at all. For each one that was living in this condition, they were living with a sense of hopelessness. They were living without God. I'm reminded what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12 that at that time you were separate from Christ. You had no hope and you were without God in this world. That's what happens when we live without Christ. We are living without God and without hope in this world. We're living as spiritual orphans without any hope at all. That's an issue that has affected so many of us because at one point in time or another we did not have a relationship with Christ we were living as spiritual orphans we can think about this idea that people say in culture all around us and you'll hear it a lot that everyone is a child of God all people are God's children and and everyone's a child of God, all of God's children. These kinds of ideas are very prevalent in society around us. You'll see it used a lot and you could say, yeah, that, that makes sense. However, when you look at God's word, that isn't the truth. Not all children are God's children. We are all created in God's image. We are all God's creation, but not all God's children. To become a child of God is an honor and an opportunity. It is literally called a right in John's gospel. And that doesn't happen by just simply being born. It can only happen by being born again. It says in John chapter 1, starting in verse 12, it said, whoever received him, received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but the will of God. That's who becomes a child of God. So to become a child of God literally means that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior and because of that, you become a part of God's family. This is what it's talking about in God's Word. When we get to Galatians chapter 4, Paul is reminding them of what life without Jesus was like. He's reminding them of what it was like to be Orphans, spiritual orphans without a heavenly father, without that access to that kind of relationship in their lives. Look what it says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, So that he might redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons. Would you bow your heads with me right now? I just feel led to pray over this word right now. Lord Jesus, would you come right now and we pray that you would speak through any wall that has been put up in anyone's heart. Lord, I sense so strongly that you want to allow this word to rest and you have it for someone today, and I just pray that nothing would get in the way of that. Nothing would distract from it. Lord, we pray that it would sink in. Lord, I pray for those who may have to confront uh, wounds that are deeply covered over by so much of life and so much time. The Lord, as your spirit comes and you can just have your way among us, would you see us as we are, Lord God, not as we're pretending to be? And would you speak to us right at our point of need? And Lord, will we experience the promise of your word in the depths of your love in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Let's go back right there to verse five of, of, of Galatians chapter four. It says that because we came into relationship with Jesus, we might receive adoption as sons. To be adopted means that we are now brought into a family that's not our own. It Meaning at one point in time, we were orphaned, we were apart, we were away. And now we're brought in to a family and into a relationship. Whenever you think about the idea of orphans in the world today, the problem that is growing and continuing to be prevalent there's one thing that is so scary for many people that enter into orphanages and it's been mentioned on several occasions and in different places that it's noticed. It's not the cries. It's not the tears and it's not the look in faces. All of those things can happen but there's one thing that is mentioned that is obscure and that people don't quite understand. When they walk into orphanages that have all kinds of children there and they're met with complete silence. It scares people. It's an eerie sense because they know how many babies, how many children, how many infants are there, and why isn't anyone crying at all? And as many have wondered about this and begun to study it to try to understand the effects that it's having on these babies that are causing them not to cry, here's what they're finding out. That long before a baby learns what it means to talk, to read, to write, to do any of those other things, it learns something instinctively. From the time that a child comes into this world, you'll see it, that when they're born, do you know what they're given this instinct and this ability to do? To cry. To yell out, to be distressed, to be in crisis. And as they make those noises, what does it do? It it alerts those who are caring for them to come in and to intervene for them. But you know what happens When that instinct happens, whenever a baby is crying over and over again and no one comes, the baby stops crying because it learns something very early on. Before it learns how to talk, it learns what it means to have no hope. It learns what it means to not have anyone that will come when they cry. And you can go into orphanages today and the babies have stopped crying because they've stopped having hope that anyone will come to their rescue. They've given up trying because before they learned how to talk, they learned what it meant to have no hope. And as you consider what that really means and the depths of hopelessness that it can happen that early on inside of a child's life, you can realize the severity of it. Because to not have any hope and to stop crying out means that you don't believe that anyone hears you and anyone can do anything about what you're going through. Today, that very same condition goes far beyond orphanages because it plagues us in the church. It plagues you and me. Because for many of us today that call ourselves Christians, we may be suffering from that very same issue. This term has been coined by another pastor named Craig Rochelle called the Christian Atheist. Do you know what a Christian Atheist is? It's someone that calls himself a Christian but lives as though God doesn't exist. And that plagues so many people today because do you know what? There are some among us that you lift up your hands, you sing out the songs, but you have stopped believing that God hears you, that he loves you, and that he cares about you. And as you go through this life, you live without a realization, without the reality that God really exists and is interested in your life. And for you, you're living like a spiritual orphan, without the presence of your heavenly Father in your life. You've stopped hoping in him. And if that's what you're going through today and that's how you're living You are living in just as difficult and just as dire of a situation as the one I've described in orphanages all around the world because you've given up hope in the fact that you have a God who loves you, that knows you, and who hears you, that you have a loving Heavenly Father. But because His Spirit is in you, His Spirit is what can bear witness and can continue to revive you, In the same way that I've heard beautiful stories about parents who have adopted children out of those orphanages and for the first days or weeks or months, those children would not cry and would not do anything. Do you know what happens? As they have the presence of a parent, of a father, of a mother in their life again and again, they begin to learn what it means to hope again. They begin to learn what it means to cry out and to know that they'll be heard. They learn what it means to experience the love of a parent, of a father of a mother in their lives again. And because we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, even if our hearts are cold and calloused against him, I believe that that still small voice can even be speaking to you today, stirring you so that you can know the depths of God's love for you again. Here's what it says in Romans chapter 8 verse 14. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And today we have not received a spirit of fear but of one of adoption. We have not received a spirit of fear that leads us into slavery, but we have, look at verse 15, received the spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This term, Abba, Father, is such a beautiful term that's being used. It's one that goes back to Aramaic culture where it talks about what it means to have intimate relationships. This is a sign of a beautiful relational connection, a fam- family tie. This isn't just a term that is thrown around, but it's a term of endearment and love. And it all comes out of relationship. What the word says is today, because we have the spirit of God in us, we haven't received a spirit of slavery and of death and of sin in this world. We've received the spirit of adoption that we can now cry out, Abba, Father. Father. This term is used only three times in the scriptures, Abba. And when we see it used in the gospel, it comes from the very lips of Jesus himself. As he's in the garden on the night, he's about to die for the sins of the world. And as he's there in the garden, as he's kneeling down praying, as he's sweating like drops of blood coming out of him, as he's hard pressed on every side and he comes to God He could come in any way. He could come, oh, holy, magnificent God, oh, the creator of heaven and earth. All the ways you see, use all the formal connotations given to who God is. But how does he come? With that one term, Abba, Father. Look at Mark chapter 14. He says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will be done. Jesus chooses this word, this word of endearment, this word of love, this word that a young child in that area would learn from a very young age. And what that meant was, daddy, daddy, crying out. It's a a call of love. It's a call of, 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 of really response from the father. Daddy, I want you to picture with me in your mind Go back, we're in the busy streets of Jerusalem. People crowded in on every side of you. And you're wandering through and there's this father and his little daughter and they're walking through the crowd. And as they're walking through the crowd, the daughter catches the eye of something that's being sold in the marketplace and she wants to get a little bit closer to see it. And as she goes a little bit closer, she loses the grip of her father's hand. She turns around immediately and all the people crashing around on every side, she can't see him. She can't see over anyone's head and she doesn't know where he is. You know what she does? She would cry out, Abba, Abba. And as she'd cry out, her father would come swooping in like a superhero, hearing her voice, picking her up and not letting her go probably for the rest of the day until they got home. That's how the term was used. And as someone would grow up, because many say, oh, it just means daddy, but it it actually means that, but it also is a continued form of that tense of that word being used even as someone would grow older and mean father but out of deep love out of deep um, love and appreciation and relationship you would say that Abba not just something a small, a small child would use that phrase but you'd continue to use it even as you got older in that culture. It was of endearment love, connection, relationship. We are now given the, the privilege of crying out to our Heavenly Father Abba and He hears us and he loves us, and he knows our voice. Look what it says here as we continue on. Inside of Galatians chapter 6, it says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. And because of that, We know that we can call out to him. We can call out to him as our God. And therefore, we're no longer a slave, but we're now a son. We have a brand new identity. And if we're a son, we're an heir through God. We can experience and inherit all of his promises. As we go through life, and as I'm learning what it means to be a father more and more, and I'm going to invite Pastor Brian and the worship team at this time. I've been learning some incredible lessons along the way. And I've been having all kinds of desires for my daughter to know about me and to know who I am. I thought about it whenever Mandy was getting ready to give birth to her, like why, I want her to know who I am and what's most important to me and I want her to know my calling and I want her to know the Lord and the ministry. I want her to know all these things. But there's something no one really prepares you for, the first thing that you want your child to know. Do you know what it is? As they're a very newborn child, you want them to know that you exist. You literally want them to know that you exist. And I can remember for Mandy and I, as Lily was just so small and just born, we felt that she was living without even an awareness that we were present. And so as we would feed her and as we'd pick her up and put her down for her naps, she wouldn't really look at us, and the doctor told us that her sight wasn't yet developed completely as a newborn. And then as we saw her, you'd look and there'd be almost a blank stare as if she doesn't know who you are at all. But I can remember that one day whenever I went to go pick her up as she had just woken up and when I looked down at her and I see this bright smiling face come back at me that she she was aware of who I was. The joy that filled my heart. The same is true of our Heavenly Father. The first thing that He wants to know is that you know He exists. And today, have you approached Him with that blank stare? Have you lived without acknowledging Him at all? Or today, as we stand in his presence, as we spend time in his word, and as the spirit of God is moving in this place, are you becoming aware of him? He wants your eyes to be open so that you could see him and know him. And the second thing that happened along the way, so as she comes to know who I am, we had the the really fun contest. As she was starting to make noises, and as she's starting to walk around and stumble around and move around and play all the games, there's one thing that we're holding out hope for. One question that continues in our mind. Whose name is she gonna know first? <laughs> is she gonna say mama? Or is she gonna say dada? How many of you know what this is like? How many of you got mama first? Anyone? How many of you got dada first? Yeah, dada more. I won. I won. I remember early on starting to hear it, right, da-da, 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 da-da. And I was so excited. She knew my name. But then one day I was out of the room and I overheard her and my wife's feeding her and said, da-da, da-da. I said, does she say this when I'm not here? She said, yeah, she says it to me all the time. I said, oh. She says she also says it to her grandfather and her grandmother. And to people she sees in the supermarket? And even to our dog, Belle. She says it's a Belle. Say, oh, that's not good. But something has happened more recently, and I think we've all seen this, Mandy and I, but it happened twice yesterday. Is that I was far away from her and I heard a different inflection in her voice it first happened yesterday, we were eating at a restaurant and I was all the way on the other side of the restaurant getting a drink at the fountain. And as I was there, I heard, da! And I turned around and she's looking at me smiling like she wanted to get my attention. And I thought, wow. And it made me like that she knew she could call out and she would get my attention and I would turn to her. And it happened again going into last evening as we were out in the yard and she was sitting in her chair and I was on the other side of the yard. Da! And I turned around and there she is turned all the way around looking at me because she wanted to get my attention. And I'm just reminded of that very truth, that the Father's heart today is that you will know him as Abba, as Father, as Da, as the one you can call out to in any moment. And he hears you and he loves you and he turns his ear to you again. And for some of you today, he wants to do a deep healing in your heart because you've allowed wounds and issues to come and to influence your relationship with him. Some of you have allowed your relationship with your father here on earth to really hinder and break down your relationship with your heavenly father. And today he wants to come and change your heart and heal you. So would you stand here today in God's presence? And we're just gonna kind of bring down these lights and we're gonna focus ourselves in on who God is for just these moments and as I do that, and as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, the first thing that God wants is he wants you to acknowledge that he exists. He wants you to see him and he wants you to be his child today. And today, Jesus said this, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If you haven't seen me, you haven't seen him. And so today, if you want to call upon the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you'd like to be a child of God and experience His forgiveness in your life, no one's looking around, but God sees you, and He's waiting for you to turn to Him. So without anyone looking around, if you were ready to acknowledge that you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, you want to receive Him as Lord and Savior, I want you to lift your hand right where you're at, high above your head if that's you. Amen. Anyone else? that's you, up in the balcony if there's any hand, go up, just lift your hand up on the main floor if you're watching on our stream or anywhere else, I see hands going up here praise God I want you to repeat these words after me say them from the bottom of your heart Lord Jesus I ask you to come into my life forgive me of my sins that has separated me from you I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again and today, I can be forgiven in a child of God. I look to you, my Heavenly Father, to lead and guide me all the days of my life. Oh, Lord Jesus. I am going to pray for those of us that are here today that as you heard this message, the Holy Spirit, He's just been speaking to you. He's been stirring you. Because God wants you to understand that you can call out to him as your Abba Father. He wants to restore your hope. He wants to heal your heart. He wants to change you as a parent, as a child, as a spouse. He wants to change every part of your life, but it won't happen until you see him for who he is. So Lord Jesus, I come before you today and I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit present with us to change us and transform us. Lord, I pray now that your word would take root in our hearts. Lord, I pray that we'd be reminded that we're not slaves to anything anymore, but now that we have received you, we have the spirit of adoption. And today we can cry out, Abba, and you hear us, Lord God. We can cry out, Father, and you turn your ear because you love us. And I pray today that no one would leave without experiencing the depths of your love, your goodness, your power in their lives. Lord, I pray now, that as we sing out and we're reminded of how good you are, that Lord God, that would orient our lives. Lord God, would you come in and would you heal the parts of our heart that have been wounded? Lord, would you come in and would you remind us and would you allow your love to reshape us, to change us and transform us? May it change the way that we live our lives from here forward. In your name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite our altar workers are going to be forward here. We're here to pray with you. If also you'd like to just worship the Lord or spend more time allowing the Lord to move, we're gonna sing out that song we learned together, Good, Good Father. But let's make this a place of just going before the Lord, our Heavenly Father, calling out to him that he hears us. If you need to go, please save your conversations for the foyer. This will be a place of response and going before the Lord. God bless you. We'll see you next week.